Hey, Marshall. Hey, why'd you wake me up? I thought we were on a break. I can't sleep because I'm so excited about all the questions we're digging into, the stories we're finding, and the awesome scientists we have lined up for our next season. I know, I looked at a list of their names as I was preparing my leaf bed for my winter's hibernation. You know, you might want to hibernate, but I've found that breaks are a great time to do all of the things you've been meaning to do, but never get around to. Like laundry, or finally asking that family of raccoons for their share of the rent. (laughs) Yes. But also like telling your three best friends about Tumble. Maybe even showing them how they can listen to podcasts. Introducing new people to podcasts is my number one favorite thing to do. Even if those people happen to be raccoons. <laughs> raccoons are not people. As, wait, are. wait. As long as they have a smartphone, <laughs> definitely tell them to subscribe. Did you uh, see the new iPhone rack? <laughs> It's designed for raccoon paws. Whether your three best friends are raccoons, chipmunks, deer, rabbits, or people you might go to school with or socialize with on the weekends, everybody would love to know about Tumble, I'm sure. Breaks are also a good time to leave us a review on iTunes and let us know that you like us and you want us to come back. Or better yet, support us on Patreon your monthly pledge to our Patreon campaign, which you can find through our website, shows your appreciation for what we do, and it also gets you awesome extras like maybe t-shirts. <laughs> I saw the t-shirts. They're coming. They're coming. But most importantly, stay subscribed to Tumble because through the end of the year, we're going to be releasing a series of special bonus episodes like this one. They're all going to be surprises. You'll never know when we might drop one on the podcast or what it might sound like. Like it might be that interview I just did with the family of raccoons. It was lots of chatter. Hi, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Welcome to Tumble, the show where we explore stories of science discovery. This is a special episode where we're doing things a little differently. In this episode, we'll show you how you can interview real live scientists without even having to trap them. (laughs) Yes, they will do it of their own free will. So start thinking of your science questions because we're going to tell you how to get answers. So Marshall, I have a secret. Is it where you hid the cookies? (laughs) No. I've been looking for those cookies. I do hide them from you, though. (laughs) What is your secret? My secret is that I didn't like science when I was a kid. (gasps) Why not? Well, for some reason, I thought that science was just what was written down in my textbook, and my teachers had all the answers, and if it was hard for me to come up with an answer to a science question, I was just bad at science. I think that's something a lot of kids might think. Yeah, and it wasn't until I actually interviewed a scientist that I found out everything I thought about science was wrong. I realized that the reason scientists do science is because they're asking important questions that they don't have the answers to either. And that feeling of confusion that you had when you're a kid is actually the state that scientists are in all the time. Yeah, it's (laughs) just they're way more comfortable with it. So getting curious and asking questions that have no answers is literally what science is all about. Like, I wonder why cats are so evil. 
And there really seems to be no straightforward answer. There's so many different theories that we have. (laughs) (laughs) We continue to test (laughs) because it's a process and the process can be really hard, but really interesting. So that's why I thought it would be really cool to help our listeners interview scientists. I know a lot of scientists get really excited to talk to kids. Yeah, they love it. And it's so much fun to talk to scientists. Okay, so to interview a scientist, you need three things. You need your scientist trap. You should probably put some granola bars in some kind of cage or something while you hide in the bushes with a with the string that closes the gate shut behind the scientist. And that's why I do the interviewing. (laughs) Marshall's first attempt at interviewing a scientist went very poorly, and we're still in a legal situation. (laughs) All right, here's what you need. A recorder, a scientist, and a science question. I guess that sounds a lot simpler. (laughs) For a recorder, you can use an app on a phone. iPhones have this app called Voice Memo that I really like. Yeah, or you can take a video, which you've probably done a million times before. It's really easy, but make sure you try it out a few times before you use it with a scientist. Okay, so what's the best way to find a scientist? You might already know one. Ask your parents if they know a scientist in your community. Or your doctor, dentist, or veterinarian might make a great first interview. Yeah, and it's nice to interview someone that you know so that you're less nervous. For my first interview for Tumble, I interviewed our friend Haley. Haley studies salamanders and is also fun to have over for board games. So I'm going to play a few parts of our interview that didn't make it into that very first show we did. Let me just ask you one more time so I make sure I have it. Um, can you say your name and I guess a brief description about you? Yeah, I'm Haley Gillespie and I am an ecologist. So I study the interactions between organisms and their environment and organisms and other organisms. Okay, so when I record interviews, I don't do it in a fancy studio. I just do it in our house. But we have to make sure that it's quiet and that there's no fans running or air conditioning or loud leaf blowers outside. That's really important for your interview, too, because you want to make sure that you can hear your scientist on the recording. Okay, wait, first of all, and I've never asked you this before... Um, why did you want to study the Barton Spring salamander? Well, I knew about the Barton Spring salamander, actually, because when I was a kid, my parents used to bring us on vacation to Austin and to San Marcos. And both Austin and San Marcos have native salamanders that live underwater. It's nice to have a list of questions before you do the interview. I knew that I wanted to find out what kind of experiments Haley did to learn about salamanders. So how did you decide what question of the many questions that you could possibly ask about the salamander you wanted to look into and answer? Well, one of them is a really simple question. What do they eat? Don't be afraid to ask questions if there's a word you don't understand. For a long time, people thought they ate these little tiny crustaceans called amphipods. What's a crustacean? A crustacean is an animal 
like a crab or a shrimp or even a crayfish that has an exoskeleton. Remember, there's no such thing as a stupid question or too many questions. It's the scientist's job to help you understand what they're talking about. And that's like a skeleton on the outside of your body versus the inside like we have. Yeah, it's like a hard coating on the outside of the body. So imagine if your skin was like really, really hard shell instead of soft skin and you didn't have a skeleton on the inside of your body. That would be really creepy. <laughs> kind of would be, yeah. So these are really tiny, 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 tiny cousins of the shrimps and crabs. One thing we really love to hear on Tumble is stories about how scientists learn what we know. Haley's story is about how people just assumed that salamanders were eating these little tiny shrimp and crab cousins, but they really didn't know until she studied it. And it had a lot to do with poop. I want to ask you what salamander poop looks like. It looks like a little pellet. It almost looks like a little mouse poop, except for instead of being brown, it looks kind of pinkish, whitish tan because it's eating shrimp relatives. So they're the same color as shrimp. They're kind of pinkish, tan colored. You never know where an interview will go. It will probably go to poop or farts. Pretty much always. Once you have all your questions answered, thank the scientists. And then send us your recording to tumblepodcast at gmail.com or use the contact form on our website. When we get enough interviews, we'll put together another special show for you featuring you as the interviewer. Yeah, and we already have a great example. Our listener Vita sent us this interview she did with her grandpa. Her grandpa just happens to be an astrobiologist, which means he studies life in the universe. Here's Vita Wollstonecraft with Dr. Raymond Wollstonecraft. Do you think you know what would happen if I put a robot in a black hole? (laughs) Would it take a picture and send it back to Earth or what? I see. I don't think it could do that because uh, nothing can escape from a black hole not even energy, so not not mass, not energy, so it would be lost forever. So you, you could never send a message from inside a black hole out to anywhere such as the Earth or another planet. So I'm afraid, I don't think it would work. In any, any case, the robot will get torn into bits by the gravitational forces of the black hole because they're too powerful. What if the robot was really tough? It couldn't be tough enough. It can't be tougher than the the strength of a black hole, I'm afraid. Oh. So don't try to send a robot into a black hole because you will lose your robot. And it will say, why did you send me to a black hole? But it won't be able to say that because you'd already lost it. (laughs) That's what it will be thinking, though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Vita. If you'd like more examples of kids interviewing scientists, we really recommend our friend Nate's podcast, The Show About Science. Nate is six, and he's already a professional podcaster when he's not in the first grade. We'll also have a blog post on our website, tumblepodcast.com, with all these steps laid out. I cannot wait to hear these interviews. (laughs) Me too. That's our show. 
Thanks to Vita, David, and Raymond Wollstonecroft, an honorary research fellow at the Royal Observatory of Edinburgh. Thanks again to Haley Gillespie. If you want to hear more about salamander poop and what is and isn't in it, dig into our archives to our first show, The Mystery of the Barton Spring Salamanders. And don't forget to send us your interviews at tumblepodcast at gmail.com or on our contact form at tumblepodcast.com. We'll be back with new regular episodes at the beginning of the year, but keep your ears tuned for more special bonus episodes. Sarah Lentz is our associate producer. I'm Lindsay Patterson, and I produce this show. And I'm Marshall, and I make all this wonderful music you hear. And don't forget to tune in next time for more stories of science discovery. Science discovery.